Welcome to episode one of the Electronic Gentleman podcast. I'm your host, Derek Sample, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Pubins. Today we answer the question, what made us finally decide to leave our full-time jobs, team up with some colleagues, and venture out on our own? As a bit of a disclaimer, this is not, nor will it ever be, an official podcast for any of the companies that we discuss on here. This is just Eric and I, and potentially our guests, giving their personal views and opinions. So with all that being said, we hope you enjoy episode one of the Electronic Gentleman podcast. been live for like the last five minutes excellent all right <laughs> that takes the edge off man we don't need to and then that way we don't have to have this like formal you know well, i don't have an edge i just uh you're, you're i just ed- don't understand what i'm what i'm saying if, listen here's the thing if i were to ask you this just like uh amongst friends you'd have an answer it's just that the, you don't think that they're important it's true but i don't cares well one of them is i, I don't want to say well uh, sorry this portion of the podcast had to be removed. <laughs> Great. Now we can't start earlier. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not so, saying that. Like, it will, no. you know. We also had to remove this part. All right, but look, you would not. Okay, so here's the thing. We, you would not have stayed where you were if um, either way you would have left and gone out on your own. It was just a matter of how, right? Well... We didn't start discussing what the company was going to be like and what the ideas were until after we decided to go. I, I don't think maybe that's not true. I don't really remember. Well, here's the thing: everyone there was disgruntled, right? Um, so everybody wanted everybody wanted to. So what what do you do when you're disgruntled or you don't? Let's just say you're not disgruntled. Let's just say you don't like your current job for whatever reason. You start planning an alternative because it makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you're doing something proactive. So you start, you know, coming up with ideas of what would you name the company? What would the design look like? All that sort of thing. So that, you know, if the possibility presents itself, that you'll be ready. And so, yes, there are a lot of practical concerns with leaving the company that you're at and then starting a new company. But ultimately, your it's something that you have already kind of decided you want to do and you just need to, to figure out the details. Maybe. I guess it, it, it make it makes, it makes sense. Everybody fantasizes about what their perfect job would be. And right. it's, there's just a step that you have to take to try to make that a reality. And, uh, you know, the thing that the thing that made me personally want to do it, even though other you know other people were, it's not like I went around and recruited everyone. It's people were ready to jump. Um, the thing that made me personally want to do it is just a long term, deep seated problem with authority. I don't I don't really work well with a boss, which is strange because when we do our jobs, that you know the things that people pay us to do, everybody's my boss. You know from a paralegal to, you know, 23 year old lawyers are my boss and I'm totally fine with that. You know, they're, yeah, but that's they're different paying for it. How, how so? Well, I think it's different because when you have a boss within an organization, you're relying on that person to have some sort of guidance or knowledge that supersedes your own. Like 
especially in a company where their entire job is to be your boss. They really don't produce anything. They don't um, necessarily contribute to the directly contribute to the company making money other than to just tell you what to do. And I think a lot of times that can build resentment because you start to think that, hey, this person's just telling me to do this because they don't want to do it themselves. Or I just don't really agree with the way they're doing things. And so that can make me kind of, you know, irritated about it. But I guess I'm a little bit with you. And I think to some extent, anybody that goes out on their own has to think, well, I can do this. But I think that a lot of people that you talk to that have their own business have a problem with authority. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we structured the company the way we did, where it's there's not a whole lot of layers of people to tell people what to do. Right. You know, the, the concept you were talking about of my boss doesn't know anything. My boss, They don't know what's going on. They don't really contribute here. They're just standing around telling me what to do. I've seen that everywhere I've ever worked. I've never, I've never, and I've, you know, I've washed dishes. I've been a mover. I've uh, you know, done what we do now, which is working for lawyers with presentations, uh, bartender, lots of different things. And every single one of those places, there's a boss that people just can't stand. I think my first job was, uh, I was a grocery sacker at Kroger. Couldn't stand my boss. When one day I just dropped the name tag, like a, like a douche dropping drop a mic, uh, <laughs> just dropped my name tag and walked out just because I didn't like being told what to do. And I got enough of that at school because I think I was 15 years old. Um, but anyway, that, that it goes back to what I was, it was trying to say is that's happened everywhere. So that's always been my biggest fear when we started this company and every day since of being that, that person. I don't want to be talked about like that. And specifically, I don't want to see myself that way or act that way. Um, which is why I usually yeah. jump on, you know, every menial task that I can and, and do the same job as everyone else. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm speaking for myself, but all of us do that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and I think that's where when we first started the company, one of your things was to try to avoid arbitrary rules and restrictions that we hope we can count on our team to make decisions for themselves in those areas. Like, hey, you know, we're going to give you the bottom line here. We want you to be productive. We want you to get your work done and we want you to enjoy your job. Some of the, you know, nuances to how you do that, um, the less we get involved in that, the better, because then you start breeding that environment of, well, you know, you're just having me do this arbitrary thing. Why are you better at this than me? Or why can't I make this decision? I think that was a big contribution um, from you, but I think we all agreed with that. And maybe at that point it's because we were all really tired of arbitrary management tasks or what we saw as arbitrary from um, upper management. Yeah. And, and when we were starting and I was just reading a, a new business book every, you know, a couple every week uh, just to hopefully gather some sort of knowledge on, you know, what would be a good idea uh, the one thing that's long-term stuck with me, my uh, an epiphany moment out of many of uh, from Tony Shea's Delivering Happiness about Zappos was, and I might even be misremembering this for my own benefit, was the entire handbook was use good judgment. Uh, and, and I was like, wow, mm -hmm. you, you can do that? You can just say use good judgment? And so that's what I wanted it to be like here from the beginning because if I work somewhere, that's what I would like to hear. 
you know, use your good judgment. And if someone can't do that and needs to be told what to do all the time, well, that's a pretty good indicator that they just don't belong. Um, and we've done a pretty good job of hiring, a very good job of, of only attracting people who dig that, that mentality. Yeah. And, and I want to point out, too, that, you know, it isn't for everyone. And to some extent, I don't think everybody wants to have that level of responsibility. I think some people really like extreme structure and kind of this sense of knowing where they stand all the time. Um, and then some people don't. And I think that is a big difference between people that want to work for a big company versus people that want to work for um, a smaller and I dare say less structured company, because I think we, you know, less structured almost sounds like we're haphazard or casual about it, but I think it's more of a less defined rules, um, more common sense, make decisions that best serve the company and best serve the client. And I guess maybe that this is a good time for us to mention a little bit what our company does. We both work for Core Legal Concepts. We are a vendor to um, attorneys. We're basically, and this could drag out into a long explanation because this is always our challenge. Uh, Whenever somebody asks what you do, Usually by the end of it, they're like, I didn't really know that job existed, but now it makes sense because apparently somebody has to do it. But um, we create basically any presentation that goes up in a courtroom. We are responsible for both creating content uh, to go up on the screen and also to then be in court to present that information up on the screen. So it can be um, exhibits like documents. It can be deposition videos, and it can also be graphics that we develop in conjunction with the attorneys and experts to make things um, easy to understand for a jury. I mean, that sums it up. That's sort of a sounds long-winded, just because it's not commonly known. Um, but you know, it isn't. It's an interesting job that we've both been in for a really long time. So just wanted that little aside as as to what we do. But so when you you and Kim, uh, one of the other partners at our company, both decided, hey, let's let's kind of build this idea out and see where it goes. I'm sure you were both nervous um, about whether this was something that we could possibly do. Um, at this point, I wasn't necessarily involved. I was uh, I was in a late a later edition, but you said that there was, you know, the desire to do this. But what made you actually decide, you know what, I'm going to do this? Was it frustration with where you were or was it that you felt like you were confident enough that you would have the work or that you would have the resources to actually start it and for it to work? Didn't have any confidence. I can tell you that, that there would be uh, that there would be work because we were afraid of being sued if we went around asking people to come with us, uh, which would have been justifiable. Um we were confident that there were groups of lawyers who liked working with us and the overall group, there was, you know, there was other folks too, Donnie and then some other people as well. And you came in, you were there when we started the company, just not when we first started talking about it. Um, right. But you know, most of the conversations weren't this, uh, you know, constructive, like, Hey, if we went on our own, what would it be like? Most of it came from complaining, just standard employees, you know, emailing back and forth about how much it sucks to work there and things that made us mad and people that made us mad and little things would come out about, you know, what it would be like, you know, how it could be better somewhere else. And I don't even think a lot of it was about starting 
our own thing. It was just about like what, you know, what place could be better. Um, but, you know, obviously it turned into, you know, what if we built something? Um, and there were, you know, opportunities to go other places too, but I got it in my head at one time that we were going to build something. And once we came up with the name Core Legal Concepts and Kim had made the logo, it became like a thing. So it's like seeing, you know, it's, it's like your child at that point. Uh, that's when there was no turning back from it. Right. I mean, when you get that idea and you realize you start to envision what day to day would be like if you were running the show. And, you know, there are a lot of companies, I think, and a lot of people that consider this and, um, you know, a percentage of it works and a percentage of it doesn't. And I think maybe for our next episode, I think it might be um, interesting to dig into the decision we made to completely self-fund this and um, how we were able to kind of sustain ourselves um, while we were getting things off the ground and what it really took for things to, um, to get started. We all have jobs that get us by. And that was, that was my goal from the beginning, not tweezing profitability um, every day. Uh, and it, well, that's all, all of us have agreed that that's what we'd, what we'd rather do. We'd rather be generous and not have to replace people all the time than to try to squeeze every, you know, every drop of blood out of it, which is, we, we had worked at a public company before and that's, that's just what you do there. Um, you know, you say, you say, okay, we made this much money this year. It was profitable, but that's not enough. So now next year it has to be more profitable and make more. And even if you're totally profitable and everyone's doing well and there's extra money, you're pronounced losers because you didn't do it. That really wore on me. The, uh, yeah. the wall street ethos of if it's not getting bigger, you, you're terrible. Um, you, you know, you, you just failed. You need to figure out how to fix that. Like, well, nobody had to get fired. Um, people got raises and there was still a profit. Uh, right. Maybe that's, uh, you know, not aspirational enough to say that that's okay, but you know, that's okay. You can't take it with you. Yeah. And I think the other thing was, you know, determining that not everyone has strengths in all of the same areas. Um, and so you might have people that really excel at generating new business, whereas you have other people that really do a great job of powering through and getting lots of work done and don't necessarily have time to generate new business and having room for both of those people. And I think our other um, early decision to not have offices and to use the money that the company did make to invest in people, um, I think has been a, a worthwhile decision and um, has has really served us well um, over the years. So we've talked a little bit about what it was like for us to decide to leave. What about your family and what about the decision to leave? And did you get input from your wife or was she um, pretty much on board with it from the beginning? She was on board with it to the extent that it seemed crazy, and I think that she knew once that train was running, there was no stopping it, and that I was unhappy uh, where I was, and I wasn't going to be happy until I no longer had a boss. Uh, and uh, I'd actually asked her about that recently, and one of the things she said was, and we had an emergency fund, which is something I drove home a lot, and I think we could talk about on a later show um, what it takes, you know, as far as when you're ready to, if you're preparing to leave your job, and start on your own, you know, money doesn't come straight in. So you, 
you hopefully have a pile or someplace to get it uh, while you're going through the startup process. Was this the first time that you had ever considered or had ever worked independently where you weren't working for an employer with a steady paycheck? No. Um, I tried it straight out of college. Uh, I tried a video production business and it didn't work because I didn't know anything. Yeah, you have to learn, uh, with the exception of you know some people, most people who start businesses, and I've, you know, and I've read this, I'm not making it up, it's not just anecdotal, you learn how to do it by working somewhere else. So, you know, even, even with Apple, they weren't really just started in a garage. They were started at Atari and HP where they worked and they learned how to, you know, how to do things. Uh, we did the, you know, we did the same thing, um, which is why college learning to do video production, which is what I did there, didn't teach me at all how to run a business. Uh, but I learned that stuff on the job over, I guess, close to 15, about 15 years or maybe a little bit less than that, but a long time working, working at a place that was already established is where generally you learn how to run your own business. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually had been out on my own um, doing this type of work um, as a contractor for a company I worked with several years before we started CORE. And that was a little bit different. I was in business with someone but technically, we were just working under the same umbrella um, for purposes of having a corporate protection. And we weren't really pooling our resources or actually functioning like a real company. We were kind of running independently. And I was relying very heavily on one client. I was actually really more like a subcontractor at that point. But I was in a little bit of a different situation when uh, this company started because I actually did not make the decision um, to leave my my previous job. I was actually laid off right around the time that you all were discussing starting this company. So for me, it was a little bit less of a dramatic decision. When I was talking to my wife about it, uh, it was a decision between either go to work for another company that's in this space that was offering me an opportunity or venture out with these people that I don't know real well, uh, I know a few of them pretty well, and take a chance. And uh, fortunately, she was encouraging me to do that. Having lived with me, being out on my own over the past five to 10 years prior to that, it wasn't a complete change, but she comes from a much more uh, traditional background where she um, went to school to be an accountant and started working with large accounting firms right away and then corporate accounting. And so just in general, small business was somewhat foreign to her, but we kind of built up to it gradually. So I'm sure she was probably nervous, um, but she was uh, supportive about taking the chance and I'm, I'm glad she was. Yeah, I'm glad you rolled the dice too, homie. It's working out. It is. We have a podcast out. and everything, man. Wait till we, wait till we get this. <laughs> wait, let podcast money starts rolling in. I know the podcast money. I, that is really why we're doing this, right? I mean, we did talk about that. Because as soon as, I mean, we've got episode one almost wrapped up and that's when the endorsements are going to start coming is from what I, that's what I've heard. I, I want to be rich. So we're doing this and we're writing a book. I'm writing oh, a book. The, oh. I've, oh. I've, I've always, I've always heard that if you want to make money, write a first book. 
And that is exactly right. <laughs> that's I've heard that that's really the proper motivation, not even just if, if you want to make money, but that's the, really the only reason to write a book. Yeah, it's the only reason to do anything super risky that never makes money. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Podcasts and book writing. I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna finance my own movie too and just watch it pour in. And the the Tommy Wiseau of the legal industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you're successful once, then any other risky moves you make are bound to turn out successful as well. Another that's another thing I've heard. I don't know if it's true, but we'll see. Oh yeah, I see it. I see it every day. Um, I I hired my uh, general practitioner to uh, be a contractor on the house. General contractor. The word general is there. He's successful at one thing. He'll be able to do both. <laughs> the word general is there. So, you know, one thing that I um, I mentioned in the trailer was that we would explain where the, the term electronic gentleman came from. That's sort of a, a long story. Is it a long story or is it really just a, an odd story? Well, I, I'm good at making long stories short. I can do that really quickly. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell it? Okay. So a fella is sitting in court. Uh, bringing up documents. It's his job. He sits behind the computer and puts documents and videos on the screen. No one really knows what the word for that is. Is it hot seater? Is it technology consultant? Is it technician? Well, the lawyer on the other side wanted a fellow whose name he didn't know to put something on the screen for him. So he said, I would like to ask this electronic gentleman to do it for me. And I, to me, that became my new title from this point forward on. Only to be only to have Apex Executive, which I like as my other title, uh, to be used interchangeably with it. But from now on, I'm an electronic gentleman. Well, and I am not usually the guy sitting in court pulling things up, but I like the name so much that I adopted it as well, even though I probably don't deserve to. Well, and you're, wearing the, is- you're, you're wearing the Tron suit right now because of it. It's awesome. Yeah, I, w- I wish people, I wish this was a um, pod vidcast or whatever they call those things, vlogs. I know. The, on our cover art, we looked just like that. I mean, we had suits made up and everything. You're just going to have to take our word for it. Is that a good enough reason to name your podcast after it? Maybe not. But honestly, I don't think we care. Do we care? No. No. I love it. Love the way it sounds. We're here on business, baby. We're here on business. Well, I think that's probably um, a good first episode. I think we um, we got into some of the details about what led us um, to making the decision to start. I think uh, next, maybe if we take it chronologically, we can look at, well, how did we do it? Were there times we thought this isn't going to work? And how were we able to manage um, at the outset? But anyway, that uh, I think that wraps up our episode, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>